Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard cemeteries their cathedrals and the cities will be your tombs this episode number 86 of eric roberts is the fucking man the world's most menacing eric roberts related podcast i'm doug tilly and joining me as usual is the pope of chili town liam o'donnell how you doing today liam things are very good hey liam why are you talking like that i'm working on a on a spooky character he's just he's a real he's a real spook spookster well, yeah, I know how much you love the spookiness this time of year. Halloween is fast approaching. By the time this episode gets released, it might be just a day or two before the uh, the event itself, the Halloween Whoa. night. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the final episode of our month of horror. <laughs> We've done a great job at it, Liam. <laughs> really picking the scariest possible Whoa, movies. Oh, horror. I don't, I don't think any of the movies we've covered qualify – it, it, for people who are like personally, I don't care about genre distinctions. Mm-hmm. But for people who are real jazzed on that sort of thing, we haven't done a single horror movie, right? Well, I mean, look, uh, we we try to not uh, spend a lot of time researching these titles because if we did, we might be deterred, Liam, or maybe we <laughs> might we might form an opinion before it's really due. We like to go in as cold as we can with a lot of these projects. I just try like to did- forget who Eric Roberts is before every movie. Yeah, it's it's actually sometimes some some episodes are easier than others. Uh, Liam, that character that you created, that's yes. character, What's what's his name? Uh, it's uh, Spookums. It's Harry, oh. Carrie, Scary Jerry. Ah, this is the classic improv that people come to Eric Roberts as the fucking man. Oh yeah, hear. I'm a comedy fucking genius. Liam, I have a question for you. Yeah. I know you have a very young daughter. Oh, very young. Very young. <clears throat> um. She's obviously too young to take out for Halloween. No, she was last year. This year, yes. we got a pumpkin outfit for her. But what we haven't decided is if we take her out or if we just have her at the house while people come to our house and she gets to oh. see all the kids that way. Because here's the thing: it's not that she's too young to take out. She'll go for a walk as good as good as gold. It's more <laughs> like, are we going to introduce candy? She still hasn't had candy yet. Candy is oh. an unknown quantity. I do feel like if you introduce candy to her on the Halloween night, that will create positive feelings in her uh, in regards to Halloween. And that might be fun, right? That have her look forward to Halloween every year. But then she's going to have all this candy. No, and you're going to have all this it. candy. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I just think we're opening a door there. So I, I'm not a, I'm not 100 percent against it, but I don't know that I'm for it either. Are you concerned because of your diabetes? No, actually. Uh, type 1 diabetes has nothing to do with consumption of sugar. Oh, okay. So uh, are you not concerned about your diabetes? I mean, I'm concerned All about right, shut up. Oh. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Today's returning guest is one of my favorite writers and interviewers. You can find his work over at Shock Cinema Magazine and Cinema Sewer Magazine. It's Michael Sullivan. How are you, Michael? And how are you feeling about the Halloween season? Well, I, I want to say this to Liam. Um I think what you can do is you can introduce candy to your daughter, but tell her that candy only exists on Halloween. Mm. 
So that way she's like, she, you know, she's only has it once a year. So, you know, like that kind of takes care of that in a way. That's not a bad idea. That's a pretty good thought there. That would totally work. You're overestimating her cognitive abilities at this point. Oh, she's, she's, she's still in the mind. That's about, that's about how much she's processing at this point. Isn't it even easier to pull one over on her at this point then? No, it's not that um it's not that I'm worried. It's not that I can't trick her with about the candy. It's that once candy's introduced, why would she want to eat all the other food she hasn't eaten yet? She now knows a candy is. Like oh, she's okay. never going to try a a, a a piece of asparagus ever cuz it's not candy. Asparagus is delicious. But Liam, um I wanted to ask you a question. I know it's a little early to ask it, but I I'm really concerned about it. Are you going to lie to your child? Once Christmas comes along, about Santa Claus coming and bringing presents. So, <laughs> I this is still an unresolved issue. Oh no! Personally, I would be fine with not lying. The oh. problem is that when you don't lie, then you have a child who must spread the gospel uh-huh. of non Santa Claus to the other kids, and that's that's the real issue here. I mean, I, here's the thing: I think my, I think our, I think our wider family, like our grand, her, her grandparents, <laughs> would would not be stoked on not yeah. doing the lie, uh, but. But uh, but I don't care about that as much as I'm worried that my daughter will be the one in school telling all the kids Santa doesn't exist. And yeah, that, but that's that I mean me honestly, Liam, that's pretty punk, right? Telling kids that Santa Claus doesn't exist. You know what's really not punk, and I wish other punks knew it. What's trying that? to get trying to get your kid to be punk. That's the dumbest shit ever, <laughs> and it really makes me mad. Every time I see a a misfits onesie, I want to punch someone in their fucking mohawk oh, head. My. Oh my goodness, Liam. Very, very angry. Very angry on this episode of Eric Roberts. Angry. Angry. Uh, Michael Sullivan, I know that uh, you do not go along with the crowd. Uh, that you are a man uh, who has his own opinions and his own thoughts on things. It's one of the things I like most about your writing. What do you think about Halloween as a season? Do you think, feel like people get too caught up in it? Well, first of all, thank you. I am very cool. I appreciate that. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to embarrass um, you by saying how cool I think you are. But yes, <laughs> no. I I, uh, I like Halloween. I, I see. The problem is, is oh god, I would I would fall in this trap where I would I would just make sure I go to, go out on Halloween as the most obscure character I could, <laughs> uh-huh. which seems funny at the time, but like. When you're trying to explain to people who Wally Gropius is and why you're dressed like that, it just the whole night becomes an explanation. And um, I did I did this the last time I did it. I was Prez, the DC character Prez, the teenage uh-huh. president. And I spent the and again like I spent the whole night explaining who I am. The worst was the Gorch from the Best Show, which a character <laughs> no one. No one has ever really. There's no real. Right. Not, he's just like a concept. So people thought it was just Howard Stern because I had glasses and a leather jacket. But like, hey, it's Howard Stern, or hey, it's Weird Al Yankovic, you know, which is just somehow worse. But you no, know, I, I I love Halloween. I'm, I'm a big fan of Halloween. <laughs> Liam, is that something that you get caught up in uh, trying to dress as obscure characters because it's a little more fun than something a little more standard like I don't know dressing up like Donald Trump or some sort of offensive character no I you got to remember my age here Doug I am the the last gasp of generation X which means I'm a slacker at heart yeah 
And mm-hmm. uh, the problem with Halloween costumes is is not that they're not awesome. They are. It, it's all the work. I can't do all that work. That's a little mm-hmm. too much work for me. So the the you know the last Halloween costume I wore that was like a real thing. Uh, basically, Susan did all the work because it was when she was pregnant. So we were two halves of an avocado, so she could put her belly through where the where the pit would be. <laughs> and, but that was like that that was all her. When I was a ki- when I was a kid, and my mom could do the work, I had awesome costumes, like unbelievable Johns. Or I would insist on buying something that I was into. But as soon as I got to high school, and it's like, yo, if you're gonna dress up, it's on you. It was like, where's that fucking werewolf mask? I'll just wear the werewolf mask with a hoodie, and that'll you- be. I'm a werewolf in a hoodie. But Liam, you work in a t-shirt factory. I would think that that would be an advantage when it comes to dressing up, as long as it's no, a character what? that is best That's... known for the t-shirt that he wears. No, first of all, we don't print shit unless it's twenty or more. So unless I want twenty of the same shirt for me, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, sorry, you started that with first, as if there was going to be a second part too. Oh yeah. Se- <laughs> second of all. I, I, I well okay so I think this is true of all slackers so I'm not just talking about myself I think almost all slackers are actually people with stupid ambitions and that's why they don't try because they will never be happy with whatever sure. they do mm-hmm. so that's how I feel about every Halloween costume is whatever it is it's not as good as I wanted it to be so I shouldn't have bothered in the first place like I was Shaun of the Dead one year and my fucking um cricket mallet was too big and i felt stupid and all the pictures from that party i hate the pictures because my cricket mallet is like so fucking big because i made it out of cardboard it looks like it, it actually looks like i'm an anime character and it's my giant anime sword instead is, of a cricket mallet. do they call it a cricket mallet and not a cricket bat i don't fucking care what I'm they call sure it's it called a cricket bat liam here's the thing england uh, sucks so it doesn't oh matter boy. what they call it Wow, we have a lot of fans in the uk back over to you michael <laughs> i'm Sullivan. joking i love the uk i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, Michael, do you, what is the thing that irritates you most about fans of horror movies and horror movie culture? Oh, this, very easy. Why is it like all like like I've noticed this a lot of people that are genre writers mm-hmm. in horror fan. Why are they trying to look tough in their Facebook photos? <laughs> like all the time, they have their arms cross and they're like glare like what what why you know what i don't understand that or they're doing my favorite sort of like you know nihilist 14 year old thing flipping off the camera man you know <laughs> i have to admit as someone who follows a lot of genre writers both on facebook and on twitter that is something i've noticed liam they've got their their sleeves and they've got their their tough look on their face what do they got to be so tough about things liam here's the thing a I think a bunch of them are also metal fans. And, that uh, is true. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, about yeah, fair enough. A, cer- yeah. A, a, yeah. a certain a certain kind of macho metal is devoid of humor, which is funny because other kinds of metal are full of humor. But there's a certain kind of like macho, like yeah, I'm into metal. That like you can't have fun. Fun is against the rules. And then the other issue is that um, some horror writers think they're actually like they have to be scary to be like relevant. Uh. You know. Uh, and then there's just a lot of toxic masculinity in horror. Have you ever been in any, literally any horror discussion group on Facebook? Like if it's not specifically for women or queer people, eventually someone's going to say something fucked. Because eventually if you're around enough horror fans, someone's going to have a shitty fucked opinion. Are you a tough guy, <laughs> Liam? Liam, are you tough? No. Oh, no. no, no, no. Here's the thing. Growing up, it, here's how I know I'm not tough. 
growing up, I made a decision very young that I didn't <laughs> want to fight, like that I'm a pacifist. Sure. But I have but I had lots of friends who were tough. So I got to watch them go to jail for beating people up. And I realized like, wow, I would never want to make that decision. And and it, it's there's no need for me to project toughness because I realized like all the toughest people I know either don't actually have to project anything or have serious anger issues and ended up like in prison. Michael Sullivan, are you a tough guy? No, I'm not. I well, I'm tall and loud, so I don't need to be tough. Well, I, I well, I suppose. Well, I see where you're coming from, but maybe that's yeah. the person who needs to be toughest at, of all because you're out there and you're voicing your opinion, and maybe it doesn't go with the status quo. Probably riles up a few people. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they'll see me, you know, and I'm I'm like six four. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just, they'll, they'll hear me yelling and they'll usually say, sir, you have to leave the Arby's, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know all about being tough here on Eric Roberts yeah. is the fucking man. And speaking of hanging tough, let's get the uh, latest Eric Roberts news on the Roberts report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 86 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And I think that you should. Back on October 19th, Eric Roberts was tweeting once again, doing one of his favorite things. He was tweeting at an airline, in this case, at American Air, saying, uh, and please, uh, Liam, forgive my pronunciation of air just then. I am Canadian. He says, I love you, American Air, but I wish you were serving Impossible Burgers. Hashtag vegan, hashtag kindness. Now, for listeners who don't know what Impossible Burgers are, they are vegan burgers that are uh, meant to taste and act like uh, burgers made of uh, meat. In fact, I think they even bleed a little bit when you cut them. Um, Now, uh, Liam, actually, I'm going to start with our guest, Michael Sullivan. Have you ever played or toyed with the idea of being vegetarian or vegan. Yeah, I have I, a lot actually, you know, uh, but the thing is like, I'm on the road a lot. I travel a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, a lot of times I'm just forced into, you know, taking like McDonald's or Burger King. And, you know, also I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a rich man. I'm not even really comfortable. So the idea of just like eating vegan specifically is just, it's kind of like, like out of my means, you know, like mm-hmm. I just, I, I I can't do it, you know, and I I mean I I know people that have, you know, but I I just for a number of reasons I can't, you know. Do you have any thoughts on this idea of trying to make vegan food look and taste and act like non-vegan food? I think it. I mean, it, it's kind of like I, I like sort of like hiding like peas and mashed potatoes or something. <laughs> You know, like, it's just, it's like, hey, look, it's, or like shaping, you know, like, or just like telling a kid, for instance, like, hey, no, that's not broccoli, it's a gummy bear. You know, like, it's just, it's kind of like, it's sort of like dressing something up that it isn't to try to, like, trick you when it just, mm. I don't know, it's just like either, either eat it or don't, you know, like, don't, like, try to just dress it up, you know. I guess it's it's supposed to help with the transition that people, you know, for those people who are thinking about it, maybe have never really tried vegan food, something to kind of get them in the mood that, hey, this is something that maybe I can do. Liam, I'm sure that you have a lot of friends who are vegetarian and vegan. A lot, a lot. 
Yeah. Have you tried this impossible burger? Oh, yeah. I've I've tried a, the wide variety of fake burgers. Well, this is the recent one, right? The one that bleeds and they say they that have it at, like this... they have it at White Castle. Yeah, I think they have it at A&W as well, though. Wait, if I if I remember correctly, in the United States of America, A&W is not really known as a restaurant. Is that correct? Uh, there oh, are a few. Yeah, okay. there's a few, but they're yeah. certainly not as popular as White Castle. Yeah, A&W restaurants are actually quite popular here in Canada, and they also were serving this Impossible Burger. So did you try the White Castle version of it, Liam? The day it came out, the screen printing shop where I work, uh, they sent me to pick up, uh, I believe it was 35 burgers for the shop. What the Wh- fuck? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. What's your review, yeah. Liam? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it was okay. I, I actually prefer. I actually prefer if we're just talking in general veggie burgers. I actually prefer the ones that are less like burger that are just like mushed up veggies. When I when I was a vegetarian, I was a vegetarian for six years. Mm-hmm. I hated I hated those Johns because I wanted the ones that were like meat. And now that I can have a real ass burger, if I want a real ass burger, I actually sometimes I'm in the mood for the mushed up veggie burger. It's 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 not so bad. Today. Eric Roberts tweeted on his Twitter feed, reading Michael Caine's book? For sure! So I think that suggests that Eric Roberts has been reading Michael Caine's book. Sticking with you for a second, Liam. Michael Caine, very distinctive way of speaking, Very has done a lot of interesting work and a lot of maybe work that, uh, that he did for the pleasures it prov- uh, provided him. Obviously, there's the famous story about his work on Jaws 4 and how it bought his house and things like that. But what do you think overall about Michael Caine's career, Liam, forgetting his thoughts on Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there there are a few examples in which I really enjoy him. But then I also think of like, uh, what's the movie where he fucks his friend's uh, teenage daughter? Oh, Blame yeah. It on Rio. Yeah, there's there's things like that that just stick in my craw that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, and I don't know, because I haven't spent enough time digging through his filmography, I they're kind of equal. The things that bum me out and the things that I like are e- they're equal things. Uh, but I'm sure that would be different if I actually went back and started watching more of his films. But I've only probably seen, I mean, this sounds like a lot, but for Michael Caine, it's not a lot. I've probably seen maybe like 15... 16 Michael Caine movies ever which right. I think for him is of small percentage. Right. That's the thing for for uh, you know for your average actor that would be a large part of their filmography but this is a guy who's done a lot of work. He's done uh, a lot. He's done a lot. He was on he was in on Deadly Ground the uh the Steven Seagal oh, yeah. movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. His, oh, his accent, that. Yeah. Oops, his make that 17 movies. Movie. 17 movies. <laughs> Same question over to you Michael uh Sullivan. Yeah. Obviously, you share a first name with Michael Caine, so that probably yeah. makes you feel a little uh, closer to him. What do you think of him as an actor? Uh, are you more in- more interested in reading a book uh, by him than watching a movie starring him? Well, what what is this? Is it like another biography, or is it like? I a, guess it like... is. Let me let me confirm that while you tell me your thoughts on him. How is he any different from Sean Connery? Because it seems like Michael Michael Caine is always Michael Caine, just in the same way that Sean Connery is always Sean Connery. Like, what's why is he considered? A, I mean, he's he's good in things like Get Carter and stuff that makes him you know where he's just like you know like a you know like a South London I'm probably saying that wrong like a South London gangster you know sure. and things like that. But I mean, 
he could have been in like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. You know, like he's he's I think he's the same caliber of actor as Sean Connery. You know, it's just he's fine, but he's not like I don't know, like a Ray Fiennes or something. You know, <laughs> he, he, his book that has uh, just recently been released is called "Blowing the Bloody Doors Off and Other Lessons in Life" by Michael Caine. Uh, so I guess I. I it seems to not be an autobiography. It's because of other lessons in life. I think it's just the lessons that he's learned throughout his career. Because in 1992, he wrote an autobiography called Michael Caine, What's It All About? So, blowing the bloody yeah. doors off, Michael Caine. I see what you're saying. It's interesting that he kind of gained a certain amount of credibility in his older age simply by working with specific people. While Sean Connery took some projects that probably... Uh, did not help his reputation, but it easily could have gone the other way around. Right, yeah, yeah. Back on October 17th, Eric Roberts announced on his Twitter feed, someone asked, will there be another Stalked by My Doctor? Now, uh, longtime listeners of the show know that there's been three Stalked by My Doctor movies on the Lifetime Network starring Eric Roberts. Eric responded, yes, exclamation point, there will. So uh, on the last Eric... On the last uh, Stock by My Doctor, there was a La La Land parody dance sequence featuring Eric Roberts. Who knows what delights might feature in Stock by My Doctor 4, but I'm sure we'll be able to see that in the year 2019. Are you excited about that, Liam? Uh, yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, I was, uh, we've talked about it. I was conflicted about the last one. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm really hoping. A fourth one, Jesus Christ, will uh, will redeem the series. It kind of feels like, you know, it, it the, the series has kind of evolved along with this podcast. You know what I'm saying, Liam? I feel that. Are you yawning right now, Liam? Is that what? Am yeah, I, I was you? literally <laughs> yawning. <laughs> On October 16th, Eric Roberts tweeted, very controversial tweet: "We're among your zillion fans, man." <laughs> At Joe Rogan. So, <laughs> Eric Roberts is a fan of Joe Rogan, uh, the comedian uh, and also uh, commentator on mixed martial arts. Uh, all right, honey, I don't need you commenting <laughs> in the background. Agreed, but yes. Uh, the kind of, the sort of a controversial figure in some circles, uh, mostly because of the airtime he gives to other controversial figures. Staying with you, Michael Sullivan, what are your thoughts on Joe Rogan? Well, I think we don't know what uh, Eric Roberts is a fan of. Maybe he's a fan of like Joe Rogan's interest in like UFOs. Sure, absolutely. Maybe maybe it's that. Maybe he's overlooking the whole like Gavin McInnes thing. Maybe they even know about it. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's just, just a fan. Know. He's just a fan of cultural figures who believe that the moon landing was faked. Right, and just and loved the uh, fucking you know uh, just you know was a human growth hormone you know yeah, so maybe he's just like a fan of that you know <laughs> possibly you're right you're right i don't want to pigeonhole eric roberts love of joe rogan to solely be about joe rogan's terrible podcast where he gives voice to some of the worst people in the world and it, I, it would be unfortunate to label him as being a fan of joe rogan in those contexts but the yeah. question michael sullivan is what do you think of joe rogan oh he's horrible He's, he's horrible. I mean, I mean, what more could you really say? You know, he just, he's, I remember he did a video, like, do you remember Video Gum? Do you remember that site, Video Gum? I do. They posted, they posted this video of him, and it was just about how this guy at his gym 
looks at his dick. And it was oh. like, it was like this it was like a five minute video of him making fun of this guy that looks at his dick at the gym. It's like, why did he? What, what is this? You know? And but I mean, he's repulsive. He's just he's just a repulsive guy. You know? I mean, there's that much you could say about Joe Rogan. I mean, maybe he was good on news radio. You know? I guess he would have been better in the role than Ray Romano, was the original choice. <laughs> but right. he's not. He's 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 repulsive. You know? I mean, that's I mean. That's it. <laughs> well, that's your opinion, Michael. But counterpoint will come from one Mr. Liam O'Donnell, who is renowned as one of the world's biggest fans of Joe Rogan and his podcast. Liam, your thoughts on Joe Rogan. By the way, people love Joe Rogan. So I am sure that there are listeners right now who are upset at Michael's very negative response to Joe Rogan and his podcast. So please give us the other side, the thing that they would want to say if they were on the podcast right now, Liam. <laughs> Um, honestly, Joe Rogan doesn't register enough in my psyche for me to have a fucking opinion of him. And I probably wouldn't even know he had a goddamn podcast. But the real issue for me is the fact that he has millions and millions of followers. And then he puts on these fucking shit bags who I do know who they are and who I do <laughs> have a giant problem with. As far as I know, Joe Rogan's a dumb guy who was on news radio, and that's all I ever need to know about him, and he could fall off the edge of the earth, and I don't need to know he exists anymore. Uh, but I hear about him all the fucking time because of these jagoffs, which is honestly <laughs> why he has the uh, the show, you know? And- it sounds to me, Liam, like you are afraid of the marketplace of ideas and putting all all of the opinions out there. Look, if they're worthy – They'll rise to the top. If they're not worthy, they're just going to go away, as we've shown with the rise of white supremacy. Anyone, <laughs> anyone who follows me on Twitter, which unfortunately some people who listen to the show do because you At encourage Liam Rules, it. R-U-L-Z. Because you encourage it, knows that I am against all of the – I mean, I just was ranting the other day of like – you know, people try to say that there's no bad ideas, but clearly there are many <laughs> bad ideas that are having actual horrifying effects on our lives. You know, like the market, the the marketplace of ideas is literally why the earth is going to burn up and we're all going to die. So, you know, <laughs> sure. So, three scientists somewhere go, I don't know, maybe we're not doing this global warming thing. And then we all get to die because of it. Cool. Look, Thanks, you three fucks. He's just a man who's asking tough questions. And why not have They're never tough? They're never tough. This is the issue. I, I, so my, I've actually I've tried to pretend like I don't know the podcast at all. But I did a, a friend of the mine, truth comes out. A friend of mine was on the podcast. So I listened. Oh, to his who episode. is he? Let us know. Uh, Vinny Paz from okay. the uh, hip hop organization Jedi Mind Tricks. And I like Good Vinny a lot. He's not like a super close friend, but I know him from. Can we have shows. him on the show? Would Vinny come on the show? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right. That's not a thing. He has a podcast. I could get some of the guys who are on his podcast. I don't, I could... I don't give a fuck about his podcast or yeah. him, but I need Anyways, listeners. He, he was on the fucking, he was on, he was on the show. So I was like, how bad could this be? Come on. Uh-huh. It can't be that bad. I'll listen. To, Vinny's on there. I'm going to listen to it. And I, I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through it. I love Vinny, like I, whatever. And I disagree. It, this is the thing. Uh, you know, I listen to it and I'm like, Vinny's like a guy I know who I like, who I disagree with on a few things. And I'm like, I'm sure Joe Rogan's just that. And then within like half an hour, I was like, oh no, Joe Rogan's like a monster. Like what the fuck is going on right now? And it's just, 
none of his tough opinions that he wants to share are tough on him. And that's always the issue, right? All these people with these edgelord, fucking edgy views where they're really pushing the envelope, it always benefits them. It's never like, hey, guys, I had a realization. I'm, I'm a dick. Like, that that never happens. <laughs> Liam, I don't want – I guess I'll be taking the unpopular uh, view in this uh, on this podcast and say – He's just a guy trying to ask some tough questions. <laughs> and in order to answer those tough questions, he needs to bring on to his show, which millions of people listen to, the worst people on the planet with the worst opinions on the planet. And people who, because they've been on his show, have gained a level of credibility, then that leads other people to listen to them outside the context of a Joe Rogan podcast and then to repeat those same statements back, say... Just as an example, I'm just pulling it out of my brain just randomly. Say it was a first-year philosophy class that I have to sit in, <laughs> which I do, and these students are spouting this fucking bullshit because they heard it on Joe Rogan's podcast from Jordan Peterson, and they're like, this is why, this is why we all, we have to, it doesn't matter if it's hate speech, you should let them come on campus and start talking about it because if they have good arguments against it, then they can't possibly win the argument, and that, Liam, is why we're all going to be dead by the end of 2018. <laughs> I just can't even... I don't even... Can we talk about the... Celebrity shit? Island! Celebrity Island update! <laughs> Michael Sullivan, uh, Eric Roberts is currently on a reality show in the UK called Celebrity Island, <laughs> starring uh-huh. Bear Grylls, the famous survivalist. And a lot of yeah. exciting things have happened since Eric Roberts showed up on Celebrity Island. But none more exciting than on a recent episode where Pete Wicks, who is apparently a celebrity, he was bitten by a shark after trying Whoa. to catch a fish. Yeah, I know. Wow. He, he okay. began to crack under the pressure as he took responsibility for trying to feed the camp following last week's pig drama. Now, Liam, we might recall that that pig drama had something to do with... <laughs> His unwillingness to feed pig or be fed pig because of his uh, views on animal rights, which is perfectly reasonable, as we've already talked about. But he was trying to make up for it. He went out trying to catch a fish. And then he shouted, Sharks got my finger! <laughs> after the nurse shark took hold. And uh, afterwards, uh, he said, The worst part of it was the clamping. It was like being in a vice. I could feel it tightening and tightening around my hand and then he remembered that you get sharks to let go by poking it in the eye so that's what he did and then he said because he's very excited still very excited about being on celebrity island there was no way i was leaving unless it was in a body bag (laughs) they wanted to take me off the island but i don't give up on anything i didn't want to go i broke my fingers and bent up like a banana (laughs) and swelled up but on the island there's not much you can do about it this guy sounds like a real tough character Liam Pete Wicks. Who is Pete Wicks, Liam? No idea. You know, we've talked about him for several weeks, so maybe I should do a quick search <laughs> to find out who he is. Uh, okay, his he's from something called Toei, um, and I don't know what that is. It's a show or a band? Uh, well, that's undetermined. So Pete Wicks... Obviously a tough customer, hand-mangled by a shark on the most recent episode of Celebrity Island, which, of course, Liam, we will watch at one point. Why is that? Oh, the, our blood oath. We made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is the 2017 movie 
Beyond Brotherhood, the directorial debut of Panamanian filmmaker Ariane Benedetti. Uh, this is from, as I mentioned, 2017. The plot is two young siblings ended up living on the streets, having nothing left but their love. It's a story about survival, second chances, and second falls? Yeah, second falls with an unexpected turn at the end. Well, I guess it won't be so unexpected if you put it on your IMDb description there. I have the poster for everyone here. We can all look at the poster for Beyond Brotherhood. Liam, Liam, why don't you describe this poster for me? Well, um, I'm scrolling down to sort of Uh get a view of it. There's a weird bullet. And then Beyond Beyond Brotherhood is is written in some really bad font. Uh Uh, And then there's a picture of Eric Roberts looking like um, he he just got hit by a bus while on meth. And then behind him, there's like a torn family photo. And then a bunch of the laurels for all the various things it's won, though they're all from (laughs) the L.A. Film Awards. And in fact, the quote is, from David Eichhorn from the Los Angeles Film Awards as well. It says, this movie should affect even the hardest of souls. What does that even mean? I don't understand. I don't know what I'm looking at with this fucking thing. Featuring Eric Roberts as a character named Buelo Chino. How's my pronunciation of that, Liam? Uh, I have no idea. Buelo Chino. Um, Michael Sullivan, does Beyond Brotherhood appeal to you? Well, no, no. Um... I, I was confused by one part of the poster. I'm, I'm only one part. To... <laughs> well, this one, it was like I couldn't tell if they're saying like it was chosen. I'm not remembering the country. Was it Panama? Panama. Like, the official choice for Panama for the Academy. What is it like the Panamanian no, Academy Awards, I... or did Panama submit this to the U.S. Academy Awards? The suggestion. I, I my interpretation is that Panama. Uh, this is the official selection for Panama for the Academy Awards, the Oscars. Oh, so it was just like, so they put that on the poster that they submitted it <laughs> to the Academy Awards, and that was like the blurb? Yes. <laughs> it should affect even the hardest of souls, so why wouldn't it affect those Academy Award voters, uh, especially the ones for Best Foreign Language Film? I mean, this is from 2017. It's possible that uh, yeah. that that this could still make it to the Academy Awards. Beyond Brotherhood, featuring Eric Roberts as Buelo Chino, Michael Sullivan. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, um, I do think that uh, they've made up Eric Roberts to look sort of like uh, Michael Douglas's character from Falling Down. Do you see that at all, Liam? No, um, no. My, he makes Michael Douglas's character from Falling Down look like a man I would actually trust with my money because this guy is like he just fucking woke up under a car. <laughs> you know what? Eric, had a... He looks rough. He looks really rough in this. He looks rough. Hey, I like it. I like the idea of Eric Roberts looking a little grizzled, looking a little, you know, down on his luck. I think we've seen him be a little too slick in some of the projects recently, Liam. It might make for a nice change when we do visit... 2017's Beyond Brotherhood, which we have to do because of the blood oath that you mentioned earlier. I think it's time for us to take our first break. When we return, we have the main event, which is a movie from the year 2001. It's called Mindstorm. It is star-studded. You are going to want to check this out. Well, maybe not the movie, but you're going to want to check out our discussion about it. We're going to talk about it right after this.
psychic's investigation into the disappearance of a senator's daughter leads her to a dangerous cult and the truth about her mysterious past. It's 2001's Mindstorm, not to be confused by 2001's Mindstorm, a movie with the same title from the same year. That one features Judge Reinhold. This one doesn't. And this one was directed by Richard Pepin, who uh, you might know because he made a number of interesting uh, semi-interesting action movies in the 90s, the mid-90s for PM Entertainment. One of my favorite is a movie called Hologram Man, which is sort of a uh, Demolition Man ripoff that is completely crazy and terrible, but also very, very entertaining. So I had high hopes because of that for the movie Mindstorm from the year 2001. As I mentioned before the break, this is an all-star cast uh, filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It stars <laughs> Antonio Sobato Jr., uh, Clarence Williams III from the Mod Squad, and uh, where else is he from again, Liam? Tales from the Hood? Tales from the Hood. The wonderful Michael Moriarty doing some work here. Uh, William B. Davis, the cigarette-smoking man from the X-Files. Michael Ironside, the legendary Michael Ironside. And, of course, Eric Roberts. So, uh, before we get into some of the details of this, I just want to get your general thoughts on the movie as a whole, starting with our guest, Michael Sullivan, I know that you came at this movie somewhat cold. You didn't really know what to expect. What did you think of Mindstorm? Yeah, well, no, like I, you sent me the the link. You said it's this movie Mindstorm, and for like whatever reason, I thought it was, I thought it was like a Johnny Mnemonic ripoff, <laughs> you know. And I thought it was like this cyberpunk, like you know, because there were so many Blade Runner, direct to video Blade Runner ripoffs and all that. Sure. So I went into this thinking it was like a cyberpunk thing. And, like, the beginning kind of, like, goes along with me. It's like, yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. Because, it, like, it starts out, and it's in an abandoned fa- – there's all these children in togas in an abandoned factory. And then as it goes along, you realize, no, these are, like, kids in, an ex- like, some psychic experiment that's being held in, like, abandoned mines and factories. Mm-hmm. And they're all wearing togas. <laughs> and then – Suddenly it becomes like scanners, but then it becomes like this sort of comment, but no comment about the Branch Davidians. Yes. And then it just, I, it, it's, it, this is a movie that it could have been really good, but there's like no, like if there was a guy that gave a shit like behind the camera, it could have been like kind of fun, you know, but it just, it's just, they're all the, the parts are there, but it just never really gels. It's uh, it's kind of an interesting mix because there are a lot of recognizable actors here, and they've obviously have some money to work with. There's you know there's big action sequences with explosions, including a helicopter explosion, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. So you know they had the capability here to make something better than what we have here, and there are I have to say there are some interesting ideas. They have been pillaged from other movies for the most part, but there are some interesting ideas here, but they don't ever really go anywhere. It kind of feels like like the pilot episode of a TV series, except the ending, yeah. the ending then goes to a weird, well, we'll talk about the ending in just a little yeah. bit. And yeah. what, what that's yeah. all about. Uh, hopefully that didn't uh, uh, spoil your uh, opinion on it, Liam. I hope, hopefully you're not going to come at us hard saying how much you loved the movie. What did you think of uh, Mindstorm? I mean, I got to agree that there's a lot of potential here. Like on paper, if you were like, okay, this is sort of like, you know, the dark half meets scanners with a little bit of uh, China demonic or whatever. You know what I mean? Like all these different things. I mean, honestly, I as I was watching the movie, I was thinking um, psychics, government project, 
fucking weird sex cult, mm-hmm. uh, standoff with the FBI. These are all the ingredients to a delicious pizza. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's it's just not cooked. It's just not cooked properly. Uh, a, a few of the things. Okay, one, can we all just agree that you can no longer cast uh, Michael Ironsides in a movie about psychics? You just can't. It's just you just can't do it anymore. It's the whole time I'm watching. I'm going. So when does he make a guy's head explode? Like I just can't. You just can't. Uh, I the, do think. But um, I do think, Lee. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That you know, his casting here was an intentional reference to the. Fact. Yeah, it's a oh. bad. It's a yeah. bad reference. Okay. I, I can't. I. It's too. Cor- it's corny in a movie that doesn't deserve that kind of nod whatsoever mm-hmm. uh the simple presence of guns being fired does not an action scene make <laughs> yeah, there true. are so many shots of people <laughs> just standing there firing a gun just lots of standing around firing guns and there's no tension to any one of those th- moments this is, it's it's the worst kind of action sequences ever and then they're very long they're very long boring action sequences that only kind of move the story forward i just couldn't i couldn't with that it kind of bums me out uh and i don't know i really think part of the issue here is that um who is our main character really is is (laughs) it's the young woman right like yeah that she's supposed to be oh she doesn't exist is she in this movie like until this ending which we'll talk about i don't feel like she really is there she's not really present and i'm not saying that's the actress's fault per se uh i i think it's not a very well written part and there's not much that she does she's just kind of there and knows what's going on a little bit i don't know it's just it's there's a lot that kind of let me down and and it's a certain kind of i mean don't get me wrong compared to what the things we've been watching lately the production value alone let alone the star power is is more interesting but maybe it's because the potential was there for Maybe not for it to be good, for, for it to be more entertaining. I was almost as annoyed as I was by some of those other movies because I was like, why is none of this fun? Nothing fun is happening. <laughs> yeah. What the? Yeah. He, he's a psychic leader of a fucking sex cult, and it's just a bummer. It's just – it's not interesting at all. I, yeah, I everything every, – oh, 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 no, no, please, please, please continue. Everything in this felt like a placeholder. Like every line, at one point, Eric Roberts actually says, it takes one to know one. <laughs> that's like, that's a line in the movie. And there's certain just like things in it, like, uh, um, Emmanuel Vagier. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. And, I, I and for some reason, I kept replacing her with Marguerite Moreau in my mind. I don't know why. Um, at one point, like as a cover, she goes, I work for U.S. Geographic. <laughs> And the, and the name, and for Christ's sake, the name of Eric Roberts' uh, cult was the Congregation Cult. Like, no one was giving a shit in this movie. Um, just, uh, I thought that the lead actress in this movie, who you just referred to, Michael Emmanuel uh, Vaugier, I, I thought she was perfectly fine. She wasn't terrible. But I will say that the only review for this movie on the website letterbox.com describes her as sexy but untalented which i thought was such a mean fucking thing to say she was better than sabato look sabato jr god he, you know you, you ever see like america's funniest people and they have like a dog in front of the camera that they train to say i love you yes that's that's how he felt in the movie it felt like a dog 
that was placed in front of the camera against its will and keeps like looking off to the side. Is this good? Am I done? Like that's like that was like his natural state. He was just he wait. He, is this like, the guy who had the TV show where he rode around on a motorcycle? Yes, Renegade. I think it was. Oh, <laughs> his hair shorter, so I didn't recognize him. Ah, oh, that guy sucks. Wait, I might be mistaking him for Lorenzo Lamas. Am I mistaking him for yeah, Lorenzo? Yeah, it's, it's Lamas. It's oh, Lamas. Sorry, sorry about this that. Guy, what did this guy do other than be bad in this movie? He was on... Like his model. Yeah, and he was he in model. tons of like uh, uh, soap operas. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was on the show Earth 2. Remember that show, Earth 2? <laughs> oh, Jesus. And wow, also, I didn't know he was on that. Jeez. Yeah, and, okay. and he, of course, also appeared at the Republican National Convention. 2016. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. His next movie, by the way, Liam, this will excite you. It's uh, called One Nation Under God. <laughs> it's a student boldly stands up for God when a presidential candidate visits his school. Wow, that's so inspiring. Sounds inspiring. Also featuring Kevin Sorbo and Casper Van Dien. That's a real surprise. <laughs> I wouldn't have pictured that. Well,. Now you can picture it. Another film featuring Kevin Sorbo. But since you brought up the idea of the cast, I think we should talk about this cast a little bit. As I mentioned, some famous faces on display here of varying quality. I have to say, I was happy to see that this was not just an Eric Roberts cameo. I mean, there's an an actual part. He plays the cult leader, the cult sex leader in this, who also has psychic abilities that also allows him to switch bodies which is something that is revealed about halfway through, through uh, and becomes very important for the kind of uh, ending sequence, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Of all of the appearances by uh, recognizable faces here, Michael Sullivan, which one yeah. is the one that you thought um, did the best? The one that, that uh, uh, didn't embarrass themselves, I'd say. Well... I, I, well, I mean, there's two different things here. The one that I thought was, well, my favorite was Michael Moriarty and like the two <laughs> scenes he's in. Uh-huh. Because I, th- I think he's doing a Michael Ironside like impression. He's like, it's, there's like a scene where like they're on the phone together and it's like hard to tell who is who at one point. Um, but the one who didn't embarrass him, well, that's not... There's a scene where Michael Ironside's wearing a bucket hat, like in the beginning of the movie. So nobody, nobody came out really. Maybe Clarence Williams the third. You know, I He's think maybe fine. he. Yeah, I think really. Yeah, I think it's just him. But Moriarty is probably my favorite, just for that. Hey, hey, like this weird like. Batman tough guy voice he's doing and I don't I, that's not his voice though right or, no that is not that, I'm so glad you brought it up Michael because th- yeah. that was my favorite sequence in the entire movie there is a part so Michael Moriarty plays Schmidt the I guess the head of the FBI or some sort of high up in the FBI Antonio Sabato Jr. works for him and there's a part where he's talking to Michael Ironside who is some sort of like big shot senator and they're talking back and forth on the phone. And for anyone who's familiar with Michael Moriarty from his roles in Larry Cohen movies or from his work on Law & Order, his voice is sort of kind of gentle. And it's almost, uh, I, I mean, I can only describe it as kind of lilting. And, uh, uh, and you know, he's just kind of uh, like that. I mean, it, it's a very distinctive voice. But here yeah. he, he's putting on this gruff, strange <laughs> affectation that, yeah. that you're right. It does sound like he's trying to do an impression of someone like Michael Irons. I mean, it, it is so strange. Liam, what did you think of Michael Moriarty in this movie? So uh, while th- he, the first scene he's in, 
uh, I was not looking directly at the screen when he started talking. And I really was picturing a completely different actor. Yeah, and it right? wasn't even it wasn't even Michael Ironside. There's a guy, I wish I knew his name. Oh, he sounded exactly like a a gruff gentleman he usually plays like cowboys and things and i was like oh that guy's in this movie and i look up and i'm like wait what the fuck like it, it really felt like someone was doing adr work for michael moriarty and it took me <laughs> it took me a while to really accept like no that's him he's really he really is sounding like that and it was very strange um but the two scenes he's in besides the fact that he sounds insane um <laughs> He also just has that Michael Moriarty look. It's not quite like uh, it's not. I, I'll, I'll apologize to people who know him from more serious roles, but I know him from Cue the Winged Serpent and mm-hmm. the stuff. Right. And the stuff he basically dances through the stuff like he never stops moving. Sure. He's mo- he's moving in scenes where he shouldn't be moving. He's just moving. And it, it wasn't quite that sort of energy, but there was definitely like a, a kind of mocking like look he has sure that kind of made me giggle every time he was on screen i i have to be honest i really love michael moriarty as an actor so what's happened with him over the last 15 years or so has actually been a little depressing for me not that he hasn't brought at least some if not all of it on himself but seeing him here my first thought was not a this is an affectation it was b that his life has destroyed him to the point that that is what his voice is like now. So I actually had to go find some clips just to see if that was the case. But no, he's just doing a funny voice. For some reason, he decided, uh, they hired me for this. You know what would make this character really sing would be if I sounded like someone who was not the actor that they hired for this role. Hey, good on Michael Moriarty trying to do something a little bit different. Yeah, I think Clarence Williams III, who plays sort of the adopted father of the lead uh, character Tracy Wellman in this movie he um you know he's 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 a kind of a um paternal uh figure throughout the movie uh he's yeah he he's perfectly fine and perfectly yeah. fine in a movie like this is basically you know award worthy um <laughs> so let's talk about the end of the movie for a second so it's it's a little hard because this movie despite its pedigree and the fact that we've already described it in some detail it there is some complexities here i I already mentioned the body swapping aspect of it well that becomes really important because in the climactic scene of the movie michael ironside he faces off with cult leader eric roberts who has for all intents and purposes kidnapped his daughter michael ironside's daughter um and uh she is standing there they're all having this this big showdown eric roberts gets shot by michael ironside Michael Ironside collapses, and in that moment, Eric Roberts switches bodies with Michael Ironside, and the end of the movie involves, it looks like it's all wrapping up, everyone's happy, we have um, Tracy Wellman and her boyfriend now, Antonio Sabato Jr., they're watching this thing on TV, apparently the election that was coming up, Michael Ironside's character, he has won it, she says that she just needs to go out for some reason, and she ends up (laughs) going out and shooting Michael Ironside to death. Because she yeah. recognizes the ice is going to break out there. And she has to shoot and kill this politician before he becomes a Donald Trump-ish terrible politician who destroys the world. Liam, what did you think of the ending of this movie? I mean, okay. There's a part of me that appreciates any movie that's willing to go to this extreme. Sure. You know what I mean? Especially since it's it's basically her brother, right? Like, that's her... 
That is the spirit of her brother inhabiting that weird politician. <laughs> I'm not sure if we, how much of that we're supposed to believe. But yes, for all intents and purposes, it's supposed to be her childhood sibling who has swapped bodies first with a Russian soldier that looked like Eric Roberts and now with yeah. Eric Ironside. Yes. I yeah, have a so, question about that. Do you yes. think do you think in the in, originally in the script it was her brother like was the cult leader but when Eric Roberts was hired they had to change it because of the you know the the big age difference? I mean, that's a good good question because it was weird for a moment where he said, "Oh, I'm the same kid from the beginning." And you're like doing your math and you're like that doesn't work at all. And then they explain it's because of the body swap thing. I figured they just brought in the brother sister thing to explain why he wasn't trying to have sex with her. Okay, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Could be. I I think they needed the the body swap. The whole idea is that to me, this is what I got from it, was that um our man knew this was not like a oh no, I've been shot. No, I've got to do the the body swap has been the plan from drop. Yes. That like if I can just get into this Jagoff's body, then I'm going to be the president, and that's just the first step in yeah. a whole realm of things. So I think the the um, the idea of the body swap was helpful to help us buy into the idea that this is the direction he's going. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, and 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 in some ways that's kind of clever, right? That that we find out that the whole thing was a setup to just make this body swap happen. Except it's less clever because we only find out that he has the ability to body swap, you know, a good way into the movie. <laughs> yeah, like five minutes beforehand. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It also opens up this possibility. It's like, well, why couldn't he have body swapped right, right as he was shot? Why couldn't he body swap all – like, why didn't he right. just body swap into the president? Why did right? – I mean, there's like all sorts of things he could have done. Um but let's not think about that too much. There's all this psychic power going around. Uh, by the way, that lead actress in this movie, she's psychic as well. She can, yes. yeah, she has visions. She can tell what uh, what sex a baby is in the, the mother's stomach. She has, she has a lot of cool abilities, and she does track down a serial child murderer at the beginning of the movie in a uh, in probably the spookiest scene, probably the only scene in this movie that could be considered somewhat horrific. Would you agree with that, Liam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, my understanding before watching this was that this was sort of like a made-for-sci-fi type movie. But I guess that's not the case. There are a number of fucks here. There is some violence. And there is, of course, an exploding helicopter. Now, Michael, there's a sequence in this movie where Antonio Sabato Jr. goes to a former cult leader's mountaintop hideaway. Uh, Not a cult leader, sorry, a cult member's uh, mountaintop hideaway. And he has a little discussion with her. And while he's there... A different helicopter comes and starts shooting at him. I, I don't know if it was ever really fully confirmed that this was sent by Eric Roberts, but I guess it was. And in a very um, unusual sequence, the helicopter that Antonio Sabato Jr. came in, the driver seems somewhat, you know, scared by the fact that this other person with a gun shows up. He it shows it shows him just kind of move the the stick the helicopter stick to try to maneuver away from this other one. And then like an edit later, he's pointed directly into the ground and he's just going straight as fast as he can. A helicopter boom, right into the fucking ground where it just explodes like crazy. I have to say it might've been the most I laughed at this movie. It was just a really unusual moment. There's a, there's a scene following that that I love too, where, um, He's driving the pickup truck, and Tertio Sabato Jr. and I guess like I can't remember. I think it's the the, the cult member in the pickup yeah. truck, mm-hmm. and they just 
like someone shoots at the bed of the pickup truck and the truck explodes. <laughs> yep. I mean, you know, these things do happen. What's great is that this cult uh, member, she gets shot and killed first. Yeah. And then Antonio Sabato jumps out of the car and then it just explodes. It just – and it, the explosion – hey, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give this movie credit. When things explode, they don't go half measures. This thing goes <laughs> into the stratosphere. Uh, we're still yeah. feeling the carbon impact from some of those explosions. Liam, thoughts about this helicopter explosion? I don't care. I mean that's cool, I guess. <laughs> I it literally the, – the at that point was when I was starting to be like – Oh man, I guess I'm not going to enjoy this movie. And the <laughs> helicopter explosion was like sort of the pinnacle. I mean, honestly, when they first show up shooting from the helicopter, I thought, "Oh, that's kind of a surprising sick sure. move." I could be kind of into yeah. that. And and yet, other than when he first, uh, when um, Republican man has to first like knock her down so she doesn't get shot. That's like the first you're like, oh, okay. And then somehow they like they went to a choreographer and they said, okay, so we've got this initial sort of shocking introduction. Then we want to drain the scene of all dramatic tension. How do we do that? Like, how do we shoot it so that it just stops being interesting? And I don't know how they did it, but they really did. It was really impressive how they hey. managed to make it just really boring. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, it's cool, I guess. They, I, I certainly was surprised that they had helicopter explosion money that was not what i was expecting but uh you know it doesn't go anywhere the movie mindstorm from the year 2001 features eric roberts as a psychic body swapping cult leader in the mold of a david koresh um who has uh designs on uh a senator's body and perhaps the presidency maybe taking over the entire world very interesting character eric roberts what did we think of his performance in Mindstorm? Staying with you for a second, Liam, what'd you think of Eric Roberts here? <laughs> I uh, I think overall I liked it. Um it wasn't I mean he, he's playing he's literally playing a goddamn psychic cult leader. Like this yeah. should be really entrancing stuff. Uh and he really goes for his like mildly condescending Eric Roberts. Um mm-hmm. Not so there's not so much of the like real smarmy stuff in here, but he does have a few moments that are more like, uh, I don't know, it, it's gross, but it's not like star 80 gross, which is right. kind of what I want is a little bit of that like sweaty, I'm fucking freaking out here gross. And this is more like sit down, honey, gross. And that's right, right, right. not my fave vibe from him. Now, it works for the character. I mean, the character literally has surrounded himself with underage fuck buddies like that's. That's what the cult is, is how many people can I get to wear shitty togas and carry AKs? And then a certain percentage of those people I have to fuck. And so that's, you know, that works. That's who the character is. But for me personally, it's not sort of where I love to see him at. But he does he does a good job. You know, he's he's there for it. He doesn't seem asleep or anything like that. It's not like he's kind of just collecting a paycheck like he's present for the role. There's just not. I don't know. If he wasn't psychic, there's very little actually charismatic about this cult leader. Like, like luckily this is a story about a psychic because in early on, he's doing his little speech. It's supposed to be like the, it's, it's a bummer who I would leave. 
Like yeah. they must, I don't know if they're getting a check at the end. Is that, you know, what? <laughs> but I would just be like, who's this Jag off up front? Like, I don't care what he's doing. It's just a real bum out. Uh, but you know, you learn he has psychic powers, but you know, I feel like Eric Roberts in front of a group of people can actually be super engaging. And that's just not who, what the character is. Um, what, what I like about that speech and there's like a lot of things I like about this movie. Like the, when Michael Iron says, says Ironside says uh, she wanted to go to a rap concert. It was Limp Bizkit. <laughs> like that was. <laughs> and, they, and Eric Roberts says something in that speech I fucking love because it dates. Even in 2001, this was dated. He goes, he goes, all you want to do is sit back and watch picture in picture on your projection screen television. <laughs> Within three years, people were like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, th- this character should be more interesting. I'm not sure if it's entirely Eric Roberts' fault here because part of his character, uh, when it's first revealed who he is and his connection with the lead, uh, the lead character, that he's supposed to potentially be sympathetic. I... The thing about it is that it's almost impossible to buy. He's already seemed so sinister at that point that there's almost no way that you're going to be thinking, oh, maybe uh, his intentions are actually positive. <laughs> um, and they kind of like they tease it just for the shortest amount of time possible. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, he's having sex with all these underage women. And like three or four of them are pregnant. It's, it's, <laughs> it's literally seconds after he had the speech like Michael Ironside. He screwed us. He just ruined our lives. And then seconds later, there, he goes in this room and it's like, oh, I'm fucking Eric Roberts. I'm fucking Eric Roberts. Like, there's no time to really make you wonder, you know? <laughs> Michael, what did you think of Eric Roberts' performance in this movie? Well, like, before I get into it, I just want to say this. Um, the senator's daughter uh, yes. in the movie, she she uh, has a very close relationship with uh, Eric Roberts' cult leader. Yes. And there's a scene later on when um, Eric Roberts you know, his character, you know, transfers his, I guess, mind soul to Michael Ironside where, uh, you know, there, he, you know, Michael Ironside wins the election and he's in the back of the limo with his pregnant daughter. And there's a weird balance they're doing in this scene where the daughter is sort of almost like lusting after her father in that scene. There is a weird, yeah. It's like a weird, and and this is another reason why this movie could have been so much fun. Because like, like, like you know, Liam said, like all the pieces are there, and there's like something like that, or it's like, wow, that's weird. That's like a weird idea, and I, you know, cause it, it, she's kind of like treating him like a father, but she's Eric Roberts is still in there, so she's kind of treating him like you know, like a fuck buddy, you know, like it, it's this very strange dynamic, you know. It's like their Donald um, and Ivanka moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, but um, I I thought that was interesting. I thought that was interesting. It was also creepy and weird, and 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 you know that was you know that caught my attention. Um, but this is I, I want to say this. Like I've been on the show. This is my third time on the show, and like every time I've I've done this, I think I've been way too hard on Eric Roberts. I think I've just been you know like he's not good in this. He's not the fucking man, and. I'm going to like reverse that because like everything I've seen him in, he's, it's kind of like this where it's just like, he's sort of, 
I mean, the last one we watched was like that Dead Calm ripoff, which also was just really bland and had horrible dialogue. Where I think at one point he says in the movie, like, squeeze ball champion, three times running. He's like this really dumb dialogue. But the, and I noticed that in this movie where he's like, he's like, he's literally saying things like, I know you are, but what am I? You know, and he's got in the, he's got to like, sort of like, make this good. So I, I, I I think he does a lot because I mean, they did, they, they basically say you're like David Koresh, but psychic, you know, and they give him nothing to do and they give him worse dialogue. And he, he still manages to manages to get something out of nothing. So, and, and he's not, I mean, he's as good as he can be in this movie. And, you know, I think that's, that's saying something and he's not really phoning it in. And I, I think, I think he's, I, I think he's good for what it is. You know, I, I got to give him that. <laughs> it might as well be the slogan of this show. <laughs> Eric Roberts, good for what it is. Uh, I know. I, yeah. think that, I think that's entirely valid. And honestly, it's something that we see again and again. It's not necessarily elevating the material to something good, but it is elevating it. It's elevating the character. It's giving us yeah. something. Just imagine if he had just given up. On that character entirely, how uninteresting it was. Because the scenario is still somewhat engaging, right? I mean, the idea of this yeah. kind of psychic warfare and the idea is body swapping and things like that, and even the political aspect, you know, there's something that you can hold on to there. But it still takes an actor to make that work. And though this movie is kind of bland and unengaging, it works. It just is not very good. It, 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 and the reason yeah. I think it does work is because Eric Roberts is, he seems to have more life. Than a lot of the people that are surrounding him, um, you know, it, it, and in another movie, Michael Ironside might take that part, right? He might be the guy who, who elevates some of that material, whether it be from like a villainous performance. But here, you know, he's kind of forced to be kind of bland as sort of just a average politician with uh, with somewhat out of a devious past. But he isn't playing like yeah. super evil or anything like that. So, yeah, I think that that there's something to be recommended here. With Eric Roberts' performance, even if the movie as a whole, and we do say this a lot, might not be the most exciting sci-fi actioner you would watch in the year 2018. <laughs> so let's stick with you on this, uh, Michael Sullivan. In 2001's Mindstorm, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? I want to say yeah, because, you know, again, he's, he's making something out of nothing. You know, he's, he's properly oily, you know, um... You know, maybe he could have just mined a little more, like, David Koresh creepy. I mean, they, and what I love about it is they even call the character David. Like, it's, I know. Just, it's just these broad, broad fucking stories. He even has, like, David Koresh glasses. glasses out yeah, of absolutely. Nowhere. He suddenly just starts wearing David Koresh glasses at one point. Um, but I think, you know what? I, I'm just, I felt bad about my previous appearances. I think I was way too hard on him. And I, when I was watching this, I realized, no, he's, He's doing the best job he can here. And, you know, he is the fucking man. He is. Yes. I mean, Michael, you're being very nice. You were the guest on our Miss Castaway episode. And that movie was so like I I have like I don't want to embarrass myself and say I have nightmares about that movie. That's obviously not true. But sometimes (laughs) I just think about a moment from that movie like the Austin Powers impersonator and think, that is just like another level of terrible. And I think, Liam, you were lucky enough to not have to watch Miss Castaway. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I've never seen it. Yeah. You got to catch up on that. I think uh, I'll, I'll make sure that you watch that. 
That's really important. Really important no, that good. you do I'm, that. I'm good, man. I'm really good. That is still in the top percentile. Probably top two or three worst movies that we've watched, I think. Oh, easily. Uh, yeah. cer- certainly the worst comedy. And that is saying something. Liam O'Donnell. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2001's Mindstorm? Yeah, easily. He's, he's, he, I mean, if you think about it, even though none of them are really doing it, this is actually quite a murderer's row of talent in this sure. film. And uh, and Eric Roberts stands out. I think he's got uh, the standout performance in this thing. Uh, now, granted, the thing itself is so shitty that I don't think he's given enough to do. I think if you've got Eric Roberts in this role, you give him some real fucking, you know, extra, you know, so he can really break out. But, you know, that's not on him. He didn't write the fucking script like he 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 he's given what he's given and he does a good job with it. So, yeah, he's the man. It's so nice to be able to say. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2001's Mindstorm, a a middling sci-fi action movie that has a few interesting moments, a few moments that are amusing, probably not for reasons that they wanted. And I have to say, it does have some twists in it and some turns that were pro- that were probably unexpected, that were unexpected by me, I should say, and uh, and could have gone somewhere a lot more interesting than they end up going in the final movie. I can't uh, quite recommend the movie unless you're a diehard Eric Roberts fan, which, hey, they're pretty much all the listeners we have left, so you go out there and track down a copy of 2001's <laughs> Mindstorm. Uh, but yeah, Eric Roberts, I think, is perfectly fine in it. Uh, it is interesting to see him do a cult leader-type character. It is a, a sort of a new twist on the sort of characters that we've seen him play in recent movies. And with that said... I think it's time to take our final break. When we return, we're going to do some plugging, uh, talk to our guest, and say goodnight. And that was episode 86 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to our guest today, Michael Sullivan, returning for a third time. Uh, I'm look, people who know me know I'm a huge fan of Michael's uh, writing work and uh, you can find it in a number of different places that I'm sure Michael's going to tell us about right now. But I just want to say again, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. I, I think that you are an all-star guest on this uh, program, and uh, you're just as funny and amusing and interesting as a speaker as you are as a writer. But where can people find your work? <laughs> well, um, I'm, I, they can check me out at the Shock Cinema Magazine blog. Uh, I would suggest maybe you start reading the stuff before Jurassic, the, the second Jurassic World movie. I'm not really happy with the stuff after that. Um, I, I should be in the next issue of shock cinema that should be coming out probably maybe sometime November or December. Um, and I should be in the upcoming next year's, uh, cinema store. I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, review, uh, the Dick Van Tyke, the uh, Dick Van Patten, uh, ten- tennis tutorial, uh, video, <laughs> dirty tennis. Um, and also, um, I, I should let your listeners know I mascot. Too. Um, I'm I'm the I'm the I'm uh, talks uh, the Penguins uh, AHL mascot 
in uh, Wilkesbury, Scranton. And um, on November the 3rd, I will be involved in Dancing with the Stars. It's a charity event, and I will be dancing at that event as uh, Tux the Penguin. So if you're in the northeastern PA area or Wilkesbury, Scranton, uh, you know, just come on out. Uh, I'm the guy who used to write for The Weekender. And if you have something to say uh, about my review of The Green Inferno, say it to my face and we'll fight in a parking lot in front of children. <laughs> you know, Michael, I've been meaning to ask you about this anyway. And since you brought that up, I feel like I have to. What are your thoughts on Gritty? I like Gritty. Yeah, I, 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 um, yeah, I, don't, I never really found he was. I mean, because the thing is, like, people people say like, oh, he'll make children cry. It's like, no, all mascots make children cry. We're like giant sort of like genteel <laughs> monsters, you know? So, I mean, they're going to cry anyway. And, you know, actually I got to, you know, give him credit. I can't believe they went the Antifa. Well, not instantly Antifa, but there's a more leftist route with uh, gritty. And, you know, that's surprising. And it's, it's nice to know. So, you know, I have, I have no issues with gritty. I've got, I always liked, I liked them even before he, he had said, he found out he had leftist leanings. <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> well, I'm glad that all worked out. Uh, we'll of course link the shock cinema uh, blog in uh, the show notes. And yes, please subscribe to shock cinema magazine. Uh, not only do you get uh, lots of other work by some other great interviewers and reviewers, but you, of course, get the work of Michael Sullivan. Liam O'Donnell, this yeah. month, has been crazy over at Cinepunks.com. Yeah, I mean, we did this last year, and I think it was slightly less successful, uh, but this year, you know, the idea for Cineween is, because uh, uh, just a, a little history, before I started Cinepunks, I was writing for Synapse.co, and uh, I wanted to write more about horror movies, and I, you know, like a lot of people, I didn't invent the idea. I was doing the, you know, the 31 <laughs> days of horror. So I was like, yeah, I'll just fucking write a, a thing for each one. And I called it the Journal of Fear. Uh, and then at a certain point, um, watching all the movies and writing about all the movies for the whole. It's just a lot. It was a fucking lot. Sure. So I was like, well, how do we get Cinepunks to still be you know, really popping all October without me having to write a fucking thing for yeah, every single movie yeah. I watch. Yeah. So, uh, so that was the idea with Cinewean is like, we'll just invite people, you know, we have, we have a group of writers, but they're, you know, it's not like a huge group of writers cause they're all doing it for free, mm -hmm. but like, let's open up the invitation to like guests and guest contributors and shit like that. And it's, I, I've been surprised people have really been coming with some great stuff. Uh, and it's an opportunity to sort of expand, uh, our voice because you know when you have the same five or less sometimes people writing you kind of sound the same so being able to be like you know have people in there who might have things to say that I would never say uh, like that they like the Fright Night remake that's a thing I would never write but uh, but someone else wrote it so good for them you know and uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the, you know uh, being able to expand a little bit of of what we're doing, so it's it's been pretty impressive, and I, I'm kind of overwhelmed with it. I, I've only written one thing for the whole month, and we've had something every day, and I'm just I can't believe that. And your thoughts, Liam, on Gritty? Oh, he's fucking amazing. I'm with Gritty. <laughs> I will be I will be with Gritty in the streets fighting the fascists, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. I will I will say that that is totally the people in Philly who decided to bust Gritty out when Donald Trump came to. 
visit. I know a lot of those people, and I and I appreciate their decision to incorporate gritty into their protest. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine made an awesome gritty shirt recently that uh, I was promoting on the internet, and I would love to tell people to go buy it, but they are sold out. So oh. sorry, sorry, folks. You will be able to find uh, something from me over at Cinepunks.com by the time that this episode comes out. I've written a piece comparing the Darkman comic book adaptation to the final film. Uh, that's something I've been meaning to, to get out there for a while now. It's pretty wacky. Uh, hopefully people enjoy it, but it should be available over at Cinepunks.com. And we have more uh, sections of our Pasolini project where we're going through the uh, the filmography of Pier Paolo Pasolini, um, conversations between me and Adriana Gover. You can check that out over at cinepunks.com and you can check Liam at, out, Liam out over on Twitter at Liam Rules, R U L Z. Is that correct, Liam? That's correct. You know, you can just change the name, you can just change what it is. It doesn't have to be Liam Rules, it could be just about anything. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Why would I change the name? Because you seem embarrassed every time I say R U L Z. No, that's not the embarrassing part. The embarrassing part is I don't want to tell everyone to follow me on Twitter. I think it's silly. And you're the, you always tell them, I love my name. Liam Rules is sick. I'm great. Liam O'Donnell, you are an influencer, so you need to be out there influencing. I am not an influencer. That's ridiculous. Well, I am an influencer. And you can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And if you want to check out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you can go over to ericrobertsistheman.com or on Twitter, E-R-I-T-F-M, or on Facebook. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man. You can check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at nobudgetpodcast.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at No Budget Podcast and also a Facebook group. Just do a search for No Budget Podcast. And hey, you can check a look. <clears throat> also, you can take a look on Spotify. Uh, no Budget Nightmares is now on Spotify. Uh, I've also tried to add Eric Roberts as the fucking man and been running into some issues. Uh, not because of the language. I think there's something else going on, but I'll have that figured out. So you should soon find Eric Roberts is the fucking man over on Spotify as well. But we need to close up the Eric Roberts bag for another week. We will be back very, very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.